Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and today I'm going to teach you how to burn fat and build muscle simultaneously. Well, maybe not simultaneously. It depends what category you're in. But we're going to talk about body recomposition today. And this originally was episode 348 of the podcast. So you may have noticed we have been repurposing some of these episodes. And it's for many reasons. But one of the reasons is because this is one of the most popular episodes that we have ever published. And we wanted to bring it back because it's a great topic that I could re-record, I could rewrite on over and over and over again. Uh, but why do that if we have an amazing podcast that I think you should re-listen to if you actually listened to this way back in the day. It was like almost two years ago now. Um, or if you're newer to the podcast and you haven't heard this, this will be the first time you get to hear this information. But the truth is, is we get the question all the time. How can I recomp? How do I achieve body recomposition? How do I burn fat and build muscle? And the truth is there's many ways to go about it and it is absolutely possible. For a long time, people said it was impossible. Uh, but the truth is, is people who are new to training can do it. People who have been laid off of training for a while can do it. Um, and people who are advanced can even do it. You can periodize your training uh, in nutrition for a longer period of time and you can go through a fat loss phase and then a muscle growth phase and then another fat loss phase. And guess what? You will recomp. And that's what a lot of these before and afters are, and I'm going to teach you how to do that today. But there's also a, uh, a case to make for dialing things in and getting a little bit more specific than the typical general population person would program for their training and nutrition, supplementation, lifestyle, stress management, all those things, and putting your body in the perfect environment to burn fat and build muscle simultaneously. So we are going to go over all these situations and scenarios of when it's possible, when it's not, and when it is, how to put your body in the right place to be able to do it. And that's what you are going to learn today. So one more time, this, this podcast is about body recomposition, and I'm going to teach you how to burn fat and build muscle simultaneously. Let's get into it. Today is going to be all about how to simultaneously burn fat and build muscle at the same time. Um, I am quite literally going to essentially read you this article I wrote. So this is going to be the audio version of an article I wrote. And I actually wrote this article a few years ago. Um, it's, a, it's an older article, but I went back and I rewrote it recently, um, actually last week. Um, and it just published on my website. So I will drop a link to the written version if you want to read it instead and if you want to see the actual article. But um, I was motivated to do this for a couple of reasons. Number one, because... Um, of a conversation I was having with a client who thought he had unrealistic goals. Um, and they're not unrealistic. They're just lofty. They're just take longer, take more patience, take more specificity. And his is body recomposition. I mean, it's essentially like I want to look jacked. I want to look like a CrossFit athlete. Um, I don't enjoy doing CrossFit. Um, I like a mix of bodybuilding, athleticism, um, he's actually the perfect candidate for form and build, which is why he's doing it. I was having a conversation with him and his goal is, is essentially, how do I do that? How do I look like a CrossFit athlete that is jacked? He is lean. He is, he is muscular. He is athletic. Like, what do I do? Um, and yes, there are some, like, we got to do more hamstring work, more upper back work, um, more ab work. We can talk about that stuff, but you got to accomplish uh, a recomposition. Essentially, you have to burn fat and build muscle simultaneously. And there's some ways to do that. And that motivated me. Um, my good friend, Chris Bearcat, I'll link his book in the show notes as well. Him and Jeff Nibbard, uh, Nippard collaborated on a, uh, a nutrition book uh, called The Ultimate Guide to Body Recomposition, I believe. 
fantastic book. I read through it the first week. Uh, really, really good. I actually interviewed him on my podcast, talking a little bit about it and some of the research that he has seen in his lab of people literally recomping. So he has his literal proof of being in the laboratory seeing recomposition. So he's a really good example as well. Um, but I'm going to link that in the show notes. So he motivated me. Uh, that motivated me. What I am doing right now um, is body recomposition. We're trying to accomplish body recomp, essentially, um, which for us, it's not about burning fat. It's more about building muscle without gaining an ounce of fat at all, which is still a recomp because if I do not gain any pounds of fat whatsoever and I build muscle, my weight goes up, but my percentage of body fat goes down, and that's technically a recomposition. Um, and that's what our goal is right now with my own physique. But nonetheless, these three things kind of drove me to revisit that article and, and kind of tweak some things. So I actually went back to this article that I wrote a few years ago on this conversation of simultaneously burning fat and building muscle, which is something that I was still confident in saying was true back then. Um, and I went back and I rewrote it. So this is kind of the recomp part two. Um, and we are titling this how to simultaneously burn fat and build muscle. So that is what you're going to get into today. And real quick, guys, just remember, if you want to help me grow this show, please do me a huge favor. Leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes and make sure you take a screenshot of this episode. Head over to your Instagram story and tag me at Cody.BoomBoom. If this uh, podcast helped you in any way, shape, or form, I want to hear about it. I want to know that you're listening and I want to share your story on my story. All right, without any further ado, here we go, where I teach you how to simultaneously burn fat and build muscle. Science will tell you that technically building muscle while burning fat is completely impossible. Therefore, body recomposition is impossible. Some science can prove that recomposition can be possible though, but the experiences from the best coaches and the sport nutritionists in the world will tell you that it is absolutely possible with more confidence than anything. This is where anecdote holds a lot of value. Yes, research shows one thing, but what are we seeing in the trenches? What are we seeing when coaching individuals? What are some people even seeing in the lab, like my good friend Chris Barricat that I mentioned? So today, we bridge the gap from hope to reality, showing you exactly what you need to do and implement in order to dramatically shift your body composition and achieve true recomposition, which is losing fat and building muscle simultaneously. Now, let's be honest here. It's every gym rat's dream. Be jacked and huge while staying lean enough to have visible six-pack even after dinner. Not just when you wake up in the morning, you have the perfect lighting, you're dehydrated, and you can see all your abs. Yes, we all know that feeling, and it does feel amazing, but I'm talking about actually seeing your abs all day and being jacked, like being big enough to consider yourself muscular and visibly seeing your abs. And for ladies, it's about feeling lean and feeling hard, not feeling soft, not feeling squishy, not being skinny, but being dense, being athletic, looking lean. Lean is a great word for it, actually. But science has been telling us for years that the key to fat loss is a caloric deficit and the key to gaining size is a caloric surplus, which makes sense. Plus, science is a hard thing to prove wrong. We damn near can't really prove it wrong almost any time at all. But what the science doesn't take into effect are the hormones that can be optimized in order to enhance fat loss and see some serious muscle growth naturally. Not to mention the supplements that can improve performance, optimize an individual's sleep, tweaking training program design along the way, improving your nutrient timing, and plenty more intelligent science-based strategies that are only suitable for the truly committed gym goers. Science, when looking at a caloric deficit, a caloric surplus, or just recomposition in general, doesn't really take those things into effect. And I'm going to reiterate that last line I mentioned the truly committed gym goers. The reason I'm going to reiterate that 
is because what I'm going to talk to you about today isn't for the average Joe or anyone who isn't truly dedicated themselves to the process and the journey of getting completely jacked, which is totally fine. You don't need this stuff to see a transformation. Many of the clients we help transform here at Boom Boom Formance don't implement half of the things I'm going to talk about today. But there are, however, the individuals who achieve their goals, hit a plateau, fall in love with the process, and you guessed it, they want more. And if that's you, this podcast is for you. Or if you are an individual who has all the fundamental rocks in place, you've put your boulders in the cup, you're ready to put the sand in. And that's what I'm talking about today. It's not for people who have not started tracking, tracking macros yet, who don't understand what protein, carbs, and fats are, who haven't followed a consistent strength training program for at least a month or two, right? This is for the more advanced individuals, which isn't everybody. And it doesn't mean you can't work up to this. So if you are a beginner, if you're at the beginning stages, if you have yet to build your foundation, don't listen to this podcast and assume it is not for you. Just assume that you are not there yet. This is what you should work towards in the future because I was in your shoes at one point too. Now, before I rant any further, let's get back to the point. The main point here is simple. You can burn fat and build muscle simultaneously. And I've watched it happen with many of my clients over the years and not just with the newbie clients. So going back to the people who don't even have a foundation, you can implement smart strategies, way less strategies than I will talk about today. And they will see fantastic recomposition because they are yet to do anything. Because yes, it's absolutely true that in your first one or two years of training, damn near everything will work to get you jacked. But this podcast is is a bit more advanced um, and for the intermediate people who are ready to take things to the next level, probably get a little bit more detailed with their plan and finally stimulate some growth while actually getting leaner after their newbie stage. So first, we have to talk about expectations. And before we touch on any uh, strategies or methods or principles or anything, we really have to clarify these expectations. If you have no knowledge on how much you should lose, how much you should gain, or that you may technically not gain or lose anything at all, you'll be confused and wonder what to even look for along your journey. There are three things that I see happen with body weight and composition when people lose fat while building more muscle. Those three things. Number one, losing two to three pounds of fat and gaining two to three pounds of muscle, leading to zero fluctuation at all which is why the scale isn't the best way to track progress during this phase or journey or just a recomposition in general. I suggest taking weekly progress photos, measurements every, you can do them weekly, but up to three weeks or maybe even a month, but actual girth measurements around your calves, your your quads, hamstrings, glutes, uh, your stomach, your chest, your lats, your shoulders, biceps, everything like that. Um, and using a higher rep strength indicator. Work to build your six to eight rep max throughout the process as I personally believe this is one of the best indicators of truly building muscle mass. If you can progress your strength on a dumbbell bench press in the six to eight rep range or even a barbell bench press or a barbell back squat, that is going to be a really good performance-based indicator that you are building muscle. Number two, staying the exact same body fat while adding muscle mass onto your body and appearing to be leaner. This is kind of where I'm at right now. So technically speaking, this actually isn't losing any fat in building muscle. It's more like staying lean while gaining muscle, which is also technically lowering your body fat percentage since your total weight increases while your total fat mass does not. This makes your percentage of body fat on your body lower. This is just as good as a recomposition in my opinion. In fact, for some, this is even better because it allows the gains to be a bit faster. And if we're speaking logically here, it is still considered a recomposition like I mentioned. 
We also need to remember that many people simply do not look lean because they have very little muscle mass, not because they have a high body fat percentage. So for many guys out there um, and girls too, I wouldn't even suggest trying to lose fat. We just need to slap on some muscle. Uh, and when you do that, your skin will actually stretch a bit. As funny as, as that sounds, your skin will stretch a little bit. Your muscles will start to poke out a little bit more. You'll look and feel tighter. And because of this, you end up actually appearing much leaner. But it's because you have more muscle mass, not because you lost body fat. And there's a lot of people that get to this point where they diet really hard and they get skinny and they're like, what the hell happened? This isn't what I expected to look like. That was, that was my first experience, to be honest with you. And I realized I just didn't have any muscle. I shredded all this fat, quote unquote fat. Really, I just tried to lose weight instead of trying to purely lose fat. And I got to this point where I was like, I don't look like the athlete I wanted to look like. Um, but number three, shredding body fat while maintaining 100% of your muscle. So again, technically not seeing both fat loss and muscle gain simultaneously. But the truth is, if you can maintain 100% of your muscle mass, which you will be able to do with what's inside this podcast today, what I talk about today, then you're still above the average compared to 99% of the people in the gym. You will look way more jacked and you will be accomplishing something most people don't because most people cut so aggressively focusing on weight loss instead of fat loss like I talked about. And do not take into uh, consideration any of the muscle-building strategies during their cut phase. So they drop pounds of muscle mass during the process. This just leads to being skinny fat, unhappy, and essentially repeating the process of trying to build muscle, usually while gaining fat, over again. Obviously, this isn't ideal or optimal, which is exactly why it'd be better to focus on maintaining your muscle mass while cutting, even if that makes uh, means it's going to take a little bit longer or you have to implement some of these strategies that I touch on today. So... If you can implement these strategies to maintain 100% of your muscle mass while even just cutting two to six pounds of pure body fat, you will look dramatically more jacked than you did before. This will absolutely look as if you gained muscle and burned body fat, which is, again, what we are shooting here. So although it's not a literal composition, a recomposition, but I, it's still the appearance of a recomposition that you want, and you're not doing it by suffering in a huge deficit. And I've had plenty of people look at pictures of me at a photo shoot and be like, damn, dude, you got huge, you got jacked. It's like, no, dude, I lost like six pounds. Why? Because I got leaner and I maintained my muscle and I stayed full, so I looked bigger. So you may have noticed I didn't list a situation where someone would lose one to two pounds of fat and gain three to four pounds of muscle because if you're a natural lifter, good luck. It's not gonna happen. Unless you're a 19-year-old who's never been in the gym and is getting ready to fully commit to a six-days-a-week program and an individualized nutrition plan or somebody who is ready to become an enhanced athlete where you're taking steroids, it's just very, very unlikely that that situation is ever going to occur because building more muscle mass and losing fat at the same time is very hard. Now, again, recomposition of, let's say, adding two pounds of muscle and losing two pounds of fat, that is very rare and we're going to talk about how to do that today but it's still rare it's very hard but it's possible gaining twice as much muscle in pounds as you did fat in this short period of time is damn near impossible unless you're taking drugs now a strategy that is similar still slightly far-fetched but possible would be losing like five to ten pounds of body fat while building two to four pounds of muscle Less than half. So not an equal trade, but there's still some recomposition happening simultaneously. Um, I've seen this occur, and so has my good friend, Chris Barakat, who I've mentioned a couple times. Um, he, he is literally a nutrition and exercise researcher. We actually discuss it in a podcast that I did, and I will link in the show notes, and he touches on it in the book that I mentioned, The Ultimate Recomposition Guide. So it does happen. It's just very hard, and, and again, that's in a research lab, so it's a very controlled setting. But my point of kind of ranting and throwing all this shit out there 
is that it, it can happen. Anything is possible, and if he's seen it in the lab, it shows it can be done under tightly controlled and programmed settings. Now, let's actually dive into how to recomp. Strategy and thing one that we need to touch on today. Training frequency. As most of my listeners uh, will know, there are three main components to programming for muscle mass. There's volume, intensity, and frequency. When we want to train for fat loss, many think we should just start doing more cardio, which is not the case, at least not at first. We should optimize training that builds more muscle, even if you're trying to cut. Why? Simple. It promotes a faster metabolism, higher energy production, aka expenditure and how many calories you're actually burning. Um, it improves your insulin sensitivity. It's less adaptable than cardio, meaning your body's not going to get super used to it right away and stop being as effective. Um, and it primes both your nervous system and the hormonal system for future fat loss. So we're thinking long-term macro here. But out of those three components, there's one that is commonly undervalued and underutilized, and that is training frequency. Training frequency, for those who may not know, is the amount of time you train a muscle per week. Studies have shown us that a training frequency of two to three times per week is the most optimal way to build muscle. Because of this, and because our goal right now is to build muscle while burning fat, we're going to maximize that frequency and possibly even take it a step further. During this phase, you're going to target each muscle group three to four times per week. So this is definitely for the more advanced people. The reason for this is simple. We want to constantly send that anabolic signal to each and every muscle in your body. This is going to promote more muscle growth, more muscle activation, and less degradation or catabolism. More simply put, if you're not growing, you're shrinking. Not the <laughs> kind of a funny term, but it's kind of the way we got to think here. When we train a muscle one times a week and we do not have a lot of volume in that given session, this means that towards the end of the session, our intensity is falling short. Uh, and slowing down and that means that our volume will actually be lower even through the uh, through your metabolic fatigue the burn feels so high at the end of these brutal monday chest international chest day sessions and, and what i mean by this is simple if we're training a muscle group one time a week we have to do a ton of volume in that session but as you fatigue you do let's say you do barbell bench incline bench and then you do some chest flies and you still have four chest exercises to hit that day in order to hit your actual volume your fatigue is so high, you feel a burn, you feel great, you feel big pump and it feels awesome, but your weight's lower significantly and now your intensity drops, which drops your volume, which means that your uh, potential to grow and or maintain as much muscle as possible during this cut have significantly dropped. Training a muscle three to four times a week is going to allow that intensity in the session to be higher, which is going to make volume stay at its highest point and for us to provide our body with the signal to grow more frequently throughout the week. Given all that, this also means we're going to burn more calories per session, which is going to lead us to the result of shredding body fat quicker. We need to remember that the bigger muscle, uh, the bigger the muscle and the more muscles worked in each session, the more taxing it will be. And when I say taxing, I'm really just referring to draining energy or burning calories. Your energy expenditure will grow um, if we are hitting more muscles per session because they're larger muscles. And again, we're hitting more total musculature, more total, total tissue is being worked caloric expenditure is going to be higher. Um, in fact, in research, studying full body versus uh, split training, they actually find that exact thing. So um, Hecke in 2010 did a study comparing three times per week full body training with a body part split where each muscle was trained only once per week. The full body group saw a 0.8% increase in fat-free mass and a 3.8% decrease in body fat percentage, where the body part split group saw only 0.4% increase in fat-free mass, um, so that's half, and a 
1.6% decrease. So that's a 1.6% less decrease in body fat percentage. Not a huge difference or what they would call in science a statistical significant difference, um, statistically significant difference. But it was also done in advanced individuals in a four-week setting. So in only four weeks, I'd say that's a lot, especially since these are advanced trainees. But there's another one by Kruther et al. 2016 performed a study on rugby players doing three workouts per week as either full body or an upper lower split fashion. So a little bit more relative to a lot of people listening. Um, so the weekly frequency was essentially three times a week or 1.5 times a week. The full body group lost more fat and gained a small amount more muscle mass, 1.1% versus 0.4% fat-free mass. Again, not crazy, but it's there and, and that's what matters because what happens when the, we compound this effect over the course of eight 10, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, 20 weeks, much longer than these studies show. Or even better, along with an individualized uh, program of being able to increase training frequency to four times a week or to increase, increase volume depending on the individual or add in nutrition. I'm sure we'd see a significant difference at that point. Because of this caloric expenditure increase, it may be advantageous to choose a full body program for a lot of people. Um, this would be something like FIT, Functional Intensity Training, which is a program I sell, um, or the one uh, Perform and Burn, which is a program inside the, the Cyber Monday special. This is especially the case if, if during your body recomposition, you're on the side of needing more fat loss than muscle growth. And here's how you would set up your training. Sunday is a rest day, full body Monday, full body Tuesday, cardio or conditioning Wednesday, full body Thursday, cardio conditioning Friday, full body Saturday. So you're doing four days of full body training. You could also do five days if you wanted to. Um, and yes, as you can see, I still believe you should be doing some form of cardio and conditioning, whether that's hit or list or mid or restorative. Um, and it just depends on the person, their recoverability, but it's a good way to burn calories um, and recover. Now, maybe you're someone who doesn't need to burn as much fat during this recomp and uh, you need to build more muscle. Um, we're going to change things up a little bit. Or maybe you consider yourself a hard gainer, um, which is debatably true, but because most of the time people just aren't optimizing everything they could be. Um, and you want to focus on pure muscle growth. That's, that's the point here. You might not want to go with a full body program. You might want to go with an upper lower split because I do believe when optimized, I, I truly believe that an upper lower split is going to be a little bit more advantageous for hypertrophy. But we still need to hit this maximum amount of frequency in order to accomplish this uh, recomposition. In this case, you would do something similar to Built For You, which is a six-day program. Here's your split. Sunday's a rest day. Monday upper, Tuesday lower, Wednesday upper, Thursday lower, Friday upper, Saturday lower. So we're literally just alternating back and forth, upper, lower, upper, lower, upper, lower. In this split, we're much more focused on maximizing volume for muscle growth, um, a lot more isolation as well, while still accomplishing a three times per week total frequency per muscle group per week. Regardless of the split you choose, though, you're going to set up your week so you are hitting everything two to four times a week, two being the minimum, four being the maximum. Four times a week for your priority muscle groups or weak points and two to three times per week for your stronger and more dominant muscle groups. So if you are lagging in your hamstrings but you're more than capable in your quads, your quads might be only hit twice a week, hamstrings four times a week, for example. Even though you may be targeting it only twice, there is still crossover too. Um, and it will get worked more enough, more than enough to maintain. For example, in a squat, you still do your hamstrings, but it's not a hamstring movement. You just slightly hit them. Um, in a lat pulldown, you even hit your chest, your pecs and your triceps, but it's not a pec and tricep exercise. Um, the point is, is your weak points or the muscle groups you need to grow most should be using the highest uh, frequency possible that you can handle while still fully recovering, while the ones that are up to par don't need as much volume or frequency. 
You'll split these sessions up into strength and hypertrophy at either a 50-50 rate or a 70-30 split, favoring hypertrophy, higher volume, lower intensity. We need the higher intensity strength work to maintain muscle at an optimal rate while at the very least keeping strength and performance steady. We also need the higher volume hypertrophy work to grow at an optimal rate, but it's a mix of both that helps us ensure we are optimizing hormones, the nervous system, recovery demands, adaptations, being able to see progressive overload, and having some kind of novelty within the program to stimulate your mind, keep you motivated, keep you having fun, and give your body that novelty it needs in order to consistently grow. The two best ways to do this are to either just split up your sessions as strength days and hypertrophy days, kind of like a conjugate method, or to simply hit your compound lifts towards the beginning of your training and uh, possibly using a little bit more of an intensification technique like a 1-6 contrast or ramp-up scheme towards a 2-4 to uh, rep max effort lift prior to your hypertrophy training. So that would be like a 1-6 contrast would be doing one rep at 90% and then dropping the load to 70% and following that up with six reps. Um, Both have benefits. Um, Committing a day allows you to focus and progress on one key thing, whereas hitting a low rep compound first, then following it up with higher rep accessory and isolation work can be a driver for muscle growth because you prime your nervous system to recruit more muscle fibers and motor units by being explosive and training the strength rage at the beginning of the day um, and then following that with high volume hypertrophy work. By doing this, we essentially just prime our nervous system to recruit more, then express that in high volume training. It's a very anabolic environment. This is actually my favorite way to train, to be honest with you. But again, you can do it either way. So a good example of this before I conclude training, if you're doing, let's say, the upper-lower split, you have six days a week, three upper, three lower. Two upper days, or I'm sorry, one upper day, one lower day. So two days of that week will be low rep. So maybe Monday, Tuesday is max effort. You're doing uh, four, fives, and sixes for everything. Low rep, heavy strength work, Monday, Tuesday, upper, lower. Then Wednesday through Saturday, uh, which is going to be upper, lower, upper, lower, you're doing high volumes. So we might start with the eights and finish in the 20s, right? You're going higher volume. We have one day a week where we're just really focused on building strength. Or you can do this as a daily undulated. So instead of having a day to strength, you're focusing on a little bit of strength every single day. So this might look like doing a three to five rep squat, like a heavy squat, and then following that up with a lot of high rep work, eights, tens, twelves, and twenties. Um, so now we're doing a little bit of both in each day, which in my opinion is, is it works really well because it's fun. You're doing a variety of things at each work. And then again, we're kind of priming our body to grow. We're firing our nervous system up. We're recruiting more motor units and muscle fibers. And then we're expressing those and optimizing those with high volume training throughout the rest of the day. Now to kind of conclude training, You should be following a structured training program. That's the first thing we need to conclude here. If you want a total body recomposition, you want to burn fat and build muscle at the same time, you got to follow a program. Maximize volume by maximizing frequency within your recovery ability. So let's do as much as we can by optimizing frequency. So instead of just hammering a muscle every day, get your body to do as much frequency as possible so that you can optimize your volume. Choose the split that favors your main goal within the body recomposition focus. So we know that our goal is fat loss and uh, muscle growth right now. But if your goal leans more towards muscle growth, follow a a six-day-a-week upper-lower split. If your goal follows more towards fat loss, you need to stick with a full-body program. Stick to a plan that allows you to enjoy, stay motivated, and progressively overload week to week. That's the last thing I'll say. If you lean more towards fat loss but you hate full-body programs, Go with the upper lower. That matters most. All right. The second thing we're going to touch on for a total recomposition is sleep requirements. 
Um, I'm going to keep this short and sweet because it's the least sexy topic uh, that we'll talk about today. Uh, but it is what it is. It's sleep. We all know we need more of it, yet we all ignore it and keep putting our sleep on the back burner. Um, the thing I would suggest most is for you to go listen to my episode called The Science of Sleep with Greg Potter. I will link that in the show notes. It's super, super good. Very informative and gives you a very uh, scientific approach to this. But the truth is much of our results actually happen during our sleep. And if we think about it, we replenish muscle glycogen. Our nervous system goes into parasympathetic mode for recovery. Our growth hormones are actually amplified. Our metabolism kicks up a notch. Our digestive tract gets a break. The joints on our body get some rest uh, and to reduce inflammation. Like literally every system in our body goes into repair mode during sleep and it improves our body composition. So if we look at what muscle growth actually is, it's a balance between stress and adaptation. Training the muscle during our workouts is the stress which is absolutely necessary in order to elicit any type of change. The recovery is our sleep, amongst other things which we'll touch on soon like nutrition and supplementation. But the recovery being our sleep, which is the time where our body can actually stop, slow down, relax, and rebuild the tissue we just broke down in training, aka the stress. So it's obvious now, I hope, that you need to prioritize sleep if you plan to burn fat and build muscle adequately. Without it, you will not recover musculature, neurological uh, systems and functions, or your hormonal balance or hormonal system, your endocrine system. But how much is enough? What does good sleep even mean or look like? And both of these things are relative questions because everyone has a different stress load in their life, meaning that everybody's body will have a different requirement for recovery. But one thing we know for sure is that seven hours is the minimum and upwards of nine is optimal. So if you stay within that seven to nine hours per night range, you should be golden. When it comes to what great sleep looks like, it's what will allow you to wake up fresh, hormonally charged. Um, guys, it's an easy uh, way to know in the morning if you are recharged, quote-unquote, if you are rested, quote-unquote, and if you are hormonally in a good place. You will know first thing in the morning. Um, and uh, you should wake up with energy and some motivation. If you wake up and you are not motivated whatsoever, that's an issue. Um, but this is a great reason to track biofeedback, which is something I have every single client of ours do every single week. And we just kind of track simple things like on a scale of one to five, how is sleep, performance, fatigue, cravings, hunger, stress, mood, daily energy, motivation in the morning when you wake, sex drive. All of these things should be a four or a five regularly. That's the goal. How do you even gauge? You just fucking do it. Once you start, you'll know what a one feels like compared to a five in any of these. But the goal is to consistently work them up. And as you become more aware, you'll notice that you are linking, um, that, that things are linked together. And as one raises, they all raise. Or as one falls, they all start to fall. Um, and sometimes things will drop and that's okay. Like for example, um, like if, if you're tracking uh, DOMS or soreness or fatigue, there's going to be times where that increases and that's okay. That means you had a good workout and you're, you're broken down a little bit. You just need to pull perform, performance down a little bit, deload a little bit so you can bring those other ones back. But if sleep, performance, fatigue, cravings, hunger, stress, if multiple things are down, we have an issue. Now, as for strategies to increase the quantity or the, I'm sorry, the quality of your sleep, there are so many uh, we could go down the road with, but I'm just going to start with a few that I think are really impactful and, and helpful. Um, number one is cool temperature. You should have your, your room 60 to 65 degrees, and that's going to help you sleep a lot better. Uh, completely blacked out curtains, uh, media lights off, everything done two hours before. I know two hours is a long shot, so if that's too unrealistic, which it is for me because I like staying up and watching some TV with my wife, uh, blue light blocker glasses. Get something to block out the blue lights. Actually block them out. Wear those uh, at least two hours prior to bed, and then while you're sleeping, have 
blackout curtains, no lights coming off of anything, um, so on and so forth. And then last but not least, you could do a contrast shower uh, and or a meditation session. Meditation can help you wind down. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Top Notch Nutrition. I really like their sleep supplement because it has GABA, um, which is a neurotransmitter that's going to help uh, downregulate you, not just melatonin that just helps you fall asleep. Um, so that's another benefit that you can add. Um, which we'll touch on supplements here, but a contrast shower works really well. Hot and cold contrast uh, before bed can really put you to sleep. But if you do these things, and I guarantee you'll be sleeping twice as great as you were before. Um, so taking it back to the actual strategy now, sleep is absolutely crucial for results. The best way to get better sleep is to adjust your schedule so you can guarantee seven to nine hours, track your biofeedback daily or weekly, and adjust your room to promote a better and more restful sleep environment. The third strategy, which is arguably the most important, nutrition. There's a lot involved with this one when it comes to burning fat and building muscle simultaneously because nutrition is one of the most individualized aspects of body composition change that there is. So before I dive in, I want to recommend two things that will make this easier, more effective, and actually longer lasting. Number one, shameless plug, apply for coaching. I know it's, it's a very blunt call to action, but nothing can replace a coach. So if you really want your results to be next level, click the link in the description, Get on a call with us. Just hear us out. Let us educate you and, and possibly join our coaching team. Number two, read the nutrition hierarchy. If you're listening to this podcast and you have not read the nutrition hierarchy yet, click the link in the description. Get it. It's free and it teaches you everything from A to Z that you need to understand about mastering your diet. And it's completely free once again. Now, back to business. The first thing we need to look at is calories, which are actually a pretty simple topic to cover. Number one, you cannot be in a major deficit. If you are, you won't build muscle and your hormones will slowly tap out. So although this may be necessary for major fat loss phase or just consistently seeing weight loss, that's not what this phase is about. That's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about shredding while building or at the very least maintaining as much muscle as possible while getting very lean. Number two, you cannot be in a major surplus, just like the deficit. If you are, you won't burn any body fat because you are eating too much food. So again, even though this may be ideal to bulk up or gain as much as fast as possible, it's only ideal if you plan to add some body fat along with the new muscle mass, which is not the goal here. Number three, this basically leaves us with one option, which is the right one. Get two maintenance calories. I say around maintenance because some people will be genetic freaks that can push that up and others will be unfortunately metabolic, uh, unfortunate, metabolically speaking. And they'll actually need to be careful and, and possibly even start a little bit lower. But either way, we're very close to the maintenance mark and I want you to find around maintenance. And the coolest part about this right here is that um, when I first originally wrote this article, which was about 18 months ago, this is 2.0. So if you go read the, the uh, blog that I wrote, it's, it's kind of like the 2.0 version, the revamped version. This is like the 2.0 podcast. But since then, research has actually shown muscle growth to occur during maintenance caloric intake, which means my experience and anecdote was correct despite what many others were saying uh, about must being in a surplus to gain muscle, quote unquote. Um, and if you want to check out those studies, I actually link them in the uh, blog and I'll try to link them in the show notes of this podcast. But we've seen in some studies showing recomp in a slight surplus when using protein overfeeding as a nutritional strategy as well. Problem with this one is that People don't want to eat that much protein. I mean, 4.4 grams uh, per kilogram per day, which is about 2 grams per pound per day. It's just a lot. But it gives us a reason to justify a higher than normal protein intake, which we'll get here into soon. Now, when we're at a maintenance level of calories, we're ensuring enough for progress with performance, which is one of the most important aspects here. Because if we're performing better, we will likely be building muscle tissue slowly as well. But another great thing about being at maintenance level is that we can still thrive 
um, we can still strive for a slow pace of fat loss, which is the exact type of fat loss we want here. We don't want to be going too fast. And at maintenance level, calories are recovery hormones, metabolism, and muscle tissue can still be optimal, which is extremely helpful during a slow fat loss phase. Again, that's exactly what we want during a recomp. It's slow fat loss. While at maintenance, we do not achieve fat loss by a direct caloric deficit. That's the simple way to lose fat. And yes, it does work. Obviously, it's, it's thermodynamics. Create a deficit. You'll have more going out than in and fat loss will happen, period. But during maintenance, you can fuel your body the right way and achieve fat loss through better exercise expenditure, faster metabolism, um, higher levels of meat, and all the nitty-gritty stuff like tweaking your nutrient timing and so on and so forth, which we'll probably get into today. So how do you find your maintenance calories? There are three ways that I usually recommend. The first one is body weight multiplied by 14, 15, or 16. Very, very generic, very, very simple. It's just one number. Um, It's not always very, very accurate, but it's worth doing because it's easy. Uh, the next one is Mifflin St. Gior formula, which is what I typically like using. Um, and we're not going to go too deep into that because it's hard to give a formula over a podcast, but you can check out the blog if you want that. Um, for males, example, you find your BMR by uh, 10 times your weight in kilograms plus 6.25 times height in centimeters minus 5 times age plus 5. Like It's a big, long calculation, but I do like the Mifflin St. Gior, and there are a couple other ones in there like the Mueller uh, formula as well. Um, and number three is track your body weight and intake for seven to 14 days and extract the averages, which is what I recommend for most people. Um, in fact, a lot of people, I would do all three. Figure out where you're at with your average, do the body weight times 14, 15, or 16, and then do the Mifflin. See what you get with all those and try to work the three different uh, calculations uh, to see where you actually should be and work towards that number. Now, once you uh, do the, the formula, you actually will have to use an activity multiplier. So again, if you want to calculate your maintenance calories, the best thing for you to do is go check out this blog. I break down exactly how to do that in there. Um, but nonetheless, you find your caloric maintenance and that is your set point. Next, we have to determine your daily protein intake. For protein intake, we're going to calculate it based on lean body mass rather than just body weight. Um, reason being here is because the more fat you have, the more skewed the protein calculations become. Fat tissue just doesn't need protein lean tissue does. Therefore, there's no real reason to base it off total body weight unless you are a lean individual and want to save yourself some time from confusing math, which is totally fine. Um, We do that quite a bit as well. Uh, But if you can determine an exact or relatively close estimate of your current body fat levels, that will ultimately be the best protein intake for you. And this is especially true in lean individuals, um, which are usually the people that are really focused on dialing things in, getting more advanced and focusing on a recomposition. So, This is done by subtracting. So if you want to just get a quick math on how to find your body fat percentage, all you got to do is subtract your total body fat percentage from your total weight. So example would be a 200-pound guy at 12% body fat. 12% of 200 pounds is 24 pounds. This means he has 24 pounds of fat tissue and 176 pounds of fat-free mass. We then are going to multiply his fat-free mass, 176 pounds, by 1.2 to 1.6 to get the total protein intake needed for this individual. The lower end of the spectrum is designed for uh, either A, people with more fat to lose, B, people who have an extremely high carbohydrate intake, or C, who have a digestive stress when consuming too much protein, bloat, gas, discomfort, so on and so forth. The higher end of the spectrum is designed for people who either A, are extremely lean individuals as it takes more protein to maintain muscle mass when at low body fat levels, or B, who are in a slight deficit, and finally C, who need the extra protein just to stay satiated because they have a high rate of hunger. 
For this 200-pound male with 176 pounds of lean mass, this ends up being 210 grams to 280 grams of protein per day. For some, this seems normal. For others, it seems extremely high. So let's get into the science behind why you are going to be better off in this range that's typically above the average one gram per pound of body weight for individuals who are already lean. Number one, many studies have come out proving that there is no long-term damage to the liver, kidney, or any other primary organ or system in the body by consuming a high-protein diet. As long as kidney function um, is fine before, meaning you don't have kidney dysfunction or kidney disease prior to the diet starting, you will never have any issues, and there's studies to prove that. Knowing the above, we need to take advantage of other studies that have shown A, a higher satiety rate throughout the day when dieters are eating a higher protein diet, and B, that eating a little more protein than what is quote-unquote necessary during a dieting phase will lead to more muscle preservation while losing fat. Next, this kind of allows us to optimize muscle protein synthesis to the highest degree. When you have a high rate of MPS, we recover better and build more muscle, plain and simple. How do we create this anabolic signal in the body? The first way is through resistance training, which we already covered today, but the second way is from consuming protein throughout the day. Studies have shown that what's most optimal lies somewhere between 25 to 50 grams per feeding depending on body weight. Your job is to take your daily intake and divide it into the number of meals that you are consuming. So if you are consuming 200 grams of protein and you are having four meals a day, that is 50 grams of protein per meal. If you're having five meals, 40, you get the point. The last thing I will say, this increases your thermic effect of food. Studies that document individuals consuming two times their body weight for long periods of time have been proven to us um, that we can consume ultra-high protein levels, inherently going into a surplus without gaining body fat because protein is so unlikely to be stored and increases your thermic effect, your expenditure. Because of this, it's safe to say we can consume more without a risk to our aesthetic goals. Knowing that, it's a smart decision to consume more for the extra caloric burn. Protein burns more calories via digestion. That's what thermic effect food is um, on top of the other known benefits. So again, I'm not recommending people uh, do two times their body weight. So if you're 200 pounds, eat 400 grams of protein. Not what I'm saying. But it's been documented. It's been shown that if you were 200 pounds and you ate 400, pounds, uh, 400 grams of protein, you're not going to gain any extra body fat from that. You actually burn more calories which just comes from protein, and you can maintain lower body fat levels just as easy, which is pretty shocking because that's a lot of protein. It's actually being in a caloric surplus through protein and not gaining body fat. All right, next, daily fat intake. Fat is super important with auto, I mean, we'll essentially die, like literally. Um, it's an essential nutrient we need in order to survive, which is why we check it off the list first um, before carbohydrates, making sure we get enough but not too much. Fat is going to be the lowest portion of our caloric intake at roughly 20 to 25% of total calories, and here's why. Carbs and protein are more metabolically stimulating, and we need them in uh, higher amounts in order to perform and build muscle, period. Fat has the lowest thermic effect of food, meaning we actually burn the least amount of calories digesting it out of all the macronutrients. Once you get enough of this uh, of fat to hormonally and neurologically stimulate yourself, more isn't necessarily better, and in some cases, it's actually worse because we're not in a deficit. So even a low percent of body uh, of total fat being consumed is still plenty to thrive, and any extra nutrients that are not being burned will still be stored as body fat. So the reason I say this is simple. If we are in a deficit, we are going to have hormonal issues. It's very, very, very important to make sure you don't go too low in fat. If we are at maintenance or in a surplus – it's far less of an issue because we're at a surplus or maintenance. When we have enough calories coming in, no matter where they're coming from, we're going to be stimulated hormonally, especially if we have enough carbs in our diet. So it's, it's far less of an issue. 
The other reason is fat is stored more easily than carbohydrates. So if you are in a surplus or at maintenance, any extra nutrients will be stored as body fat if you are not using them. However, if we're going to have extra nutrients floating around, we are less likely to store those as fat and more likely to store those as muscle glycogen if those extra nutrients are coming from carbs. So I favor a low-fat, high-carb diet during body recomposition. Lastly, a study that followed 51 competitive natural bodybuilders for 22-plus weeks during their contest prep concluded that A, the most successful bodybuilders to hit the stage followed a high-carbohydrate high, uh, high diet, and B, a higher-carb diet is likely uh, a strategy to use in order to preserve the most amount of muscle possible during a deficit. And I'll link those, uh, those studies in the show notes as well. Now, is that because they had better performance because of more carbs and their performance maintained their muscle, or is it because carbs have an uh, anti-catabolic effect because it helps blunt cortisol? Who knows? Could be both. Either way, a higher carbs diet is probably going to be best. Now, daily carbs. How do we set them? Whatever you have left in your calories, which will be the majority, should just be left to carbohydrates, essentially. Carbs are the body's preferred fuel, which we've kind of beaten dead horse by now, and are muscle-sparing nutrients, meaning when there is enough amino acids flowing through – sorry, when there is not enough amino acids flowing through the bloodstream to rebuild tissue, the body can use carbs to help with this muscle building process. Adding to this, carbs are the best nutrient to manage cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone. This is a huge benefit when training hard and living a normal life in today's society, which most of us have high stress. And in our experience, a slightly higher proportion given to the carbs can make a big difference in building a physique while under typical levels of stress in your life. For these reasons, we do promote a higher carb diet during a body recomposition. Um, And here's kind of the cliff notes why. A, you will perform at a higher level when following a higher carb diet, period. B, you will be much more likely to preserve or even build muscle mass and muscle tissue when following a higher carb diet. C, this allows an abundance of high fiber and nutrient dense foods. I'm talking about high quality fruits, vegetables, and root vegetables, sweet potatoes, carrots, things like that. These foods are very, very important for gut health and just overall health in general, which needs to be considered during any physique endeavor, especially because things get very repetitive. And lastly, D, carbs help blunt cortisol, which I already mentioned, but this can be a very powerful anti catabolic. Uh, effect. It's because cortisol is a catabolic stress hormone. It can help break down muscle tissue. And if we can manage cortisol better via carbohydrate timing and consumption, we will build more muscle tissue. And I actually have a study to prove that as well. When individuals consume carbohydrates in and around their workout, they manage cortisol better and they actually build more muscle during the process. So uh, putting it all together, this is very hard to do on a podcast because I'm not going to run through a a calculation, but if you want to see exactly how I would do this and how I would take Matt, which we decided is a 200 pound male um, who is following a six day a week upper lower split, uh, he is six feet tall and he's 35 years old. I broke down his exact calories and macros for a body recomposition and it ended up being 2,825 calories, 245 grams of protein, 315 grams carbs, and 65 grams of fat. And you can see how I did that and why I did that by checking out the blog again, which is linked in the description. Um, But the last thing I'll say on nutrition is that this does not include adjustments, diet breaks, calorie cycling, refeeds, maintenance phases, uh, deficit days, fasting, anything like that, all which can play big roles in this journey of body recomposition. When I'm coaching somebody, I never just give them a caloric intake or a macro breakdown and just say, cruise sailing, let's just see you recomp. I set the protocol and it's built to achieve a recomp and then we wait. And then we adjust and then we tweak and then we optimize as their body responds to it. 
So there's a lot more that goes into it, and that's involved in coaching. Now, the last thing we're going to touch on today is uh, supplementation. Uh, this is the very last strategy we need to implement because something that normally um, when I have a lifestyle con client, I'm not a huge proponent of because truthfully, you should be able to get everything you need from food. Uh, but this isn't a normal st strategy. This isn't a normal setting. This is above average and we are trying to achieve something kind of extreme, which is body recomposition. And there's a lot of situations even with the lifestyle clients. There's certain things that are harder to obtain through food and or cannot be obtained through food easily or in high enough dosages. So supplements do come in handy. But um, with this podcast theme, you are attempting to build muscle while shredding body fat. It takes more than what the normal individual is willing to do. And in this case, that means supplementing with anything that will enhance our results. Legally, of course, we're not talking steroids here. Um, the first one is going to be highly branched cyclic destrin. This is a powdered carbohydrate that's rapidly absorbed and utilized for recovery, promoted by some of the smartest and most jacked guys in the industry. I do not believe that is a correlation anymore that this stuff just works because yes, calories in versus calories out matters, but why do these top guys keep promoting the supplement? Why did I use this during my physique prep? Why do my clients who seem to recover most optimally and get the most jacked always use this? Because it works. Same reason why over the last couple of years I've had clients using it and back when I hit my physique stage, like I mentioned, I used it through the entire process all the way up to peak week. Um, but if you are the person who struggles to put mass on, I'm probably going to recommend that you just sip it throughout the session and, and kind of into the, the post-workout window. Um, this is going to essentially help you replenish breakdown that much faster while optimizing your insulin sensitivity during training to build more muscle mass. Um, but for those who struggle with fat loss more, live a high-stress lifestyle and or train in the evening with within three to five hours of going to bed, I want you to take one scoop of this, which is usually about 20 to 40 grams of carbs. Um, alongside some fast digesting whey protein or essential amino acids, not BCAs, uh, immediately post-workout. No, not because of the anabolic window. This is because when you train, cortisol is through the roof, which is good for training. And when you stop training and need to start recovering, let alone go to sleep soon, you need to shut off that high cortisol response by giving your body carbs and amino acids right away. This is going to help you get into parasympathetic nervous system mode, uh, blunt the cortisol response now that training is over and digest your food later on better and get a good night's sleep. Essentially, we want this easy to digest carbohydrate taken either during or immediately after the workout or a combination of both. Somewhere between 15 to 40 grams of carbs via highly branched cyclic dextrin seems to be the most optimal range. But the longer the workout is, the higher uh, the dose is within that range. Vitamin D is next. Uh, vitamin D is a hormonal precursor. Uh, most scientists will argue that it is a hormone itself. Um, it doesn't really matter. Knowing any of this, uh, it's important. That's all that matters. And, and the reality is, is that 50% of the U.S. is actually deficient in it. And we're going to be supplementing with it for that reason. It's very, very important for health, for hormones, for body composition change. And if you're listening to this, you're probably deficient. The dosage that has been shown to be truly beneficial is around four to 5,000 IUs, which can be um, reached per dose uh, in a couple different brands. I recommend Top Notch Nutrition uh, for that one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually link a uh, brand for each of these supplements I recommend so you guys can, ch can check them out. But um, normal dosage, like you'll see on some brands, like one to 2,000 IUs, which isn't enough. And if you take one, you're kind of shit out of luck. So I usually recommend a higher dose of that. Next is fish oil. Um, we have a whole podcast on fish oil, so I will link that in the show notes so you can check that out. At the end of the day, it's a superfood. It's, it's beneficial for so many damn things that it's really, really important to get with this, especially for recovery, inflammation, um, metabolism, thyroid health, so on and so forth. Um, magnesium is one that not a lot of people talk about, but I do recommend. Um, it, it's uh, something that a lot of people are actually deficient in, and higher levels are going to help promote better performance and muscle growth. growth. 
Um, the issue is that there are about 17 different kinds of magnesium on the shelves and almost all of them just give you diarrhea, <laughs> if I'm being blunt. Um, so you got to be careful which ones you take. Um, I usually recommend glycinate, uh, aspartate, malate, or citrate um, in about 300 to 500 milligrams per day. All those will help nerve, uh, nerve function and muscular recovery. Pre-workout, uh, this isn't a magic bullet, but um, there are some things that actually do help and they have been shown and that's going to be citrulline malate, caffeine, beta alanine. Um, I personally take pre, which is one that Top Nutrition just launched, but even those separately or just citrulline malate and caffeine work as well. But either way, if you do need to pick me up, if you do like getting a pump um, and you want something that will give you that 1% difference because citrulline and caffeine both raise performance and raise the pump and raise blood flow to the muscle, you will build more muscle. So I do suggest it. Um, multivitamin, this is simply to just cover your bases. Uh, many athletes don't get enough nutrient diversity within their diets because the way we tend to prep food is like very monotonous, just the same thing over and over again, which is great for consistency, but it limits our diversity in our diet. Um, also, because we have to remember that as you burn fat, you have less fat in your body, which means you likely have less fat-soluble vitamins because you are depleting them. Um, as you drink more water or sweat more or urinate more, you deplete more water-soluble vitamins, which makes those more important. So I like Legion's, Legion Triumph. I'm not affiliated with them, but I like Mike Matthews. He's a great guy. I've had him on a few times. Um, they make a really, really high-quality multivitamin. It even comes with ashwagandha, which is another one I'd recommend, and you can even supplement it on top of this for, for a good body recomposition. And that would be ashwagandha KSW66. Uh, I like Swanson for that one. Um, and then the last one I'm going to recommend before we close out this podcast is creatine. If you want to improve performance, you want to build muscle, you want to burn fat, you want to improve cognitive function, you should be fun supplementing with creatine. There's just no if, ands, or buts. It's one of the best ones. We recommend Muscle Feast, um, which is used Creapure. Um, and that's and that's just a fact. You should be supplementing with that. Um, so, <laughs> Now that you're supplementing with more pills uh, than your grandma, it's time to wrap this up. The truth is building muscle while burning fat is very hard. Um, it takes some grinding in the gym. It takes a lot of consistent efforts, and it takes some dedication to the finer details that I've all covered today. But the, the, the reality is it is possible, and those who say it's impossible, it, it's not true. If you commit to the process, if you track all your metrics, if you have things lined up in place like I mentioned today, you can absolutely simultaneously burn fat and build muscle.